Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. It is March 3rd. I'm with my buddy Harris Kamadi here. We're breaking down this wonderful Thursday slate for y'all. We got seven games to talk about. Harris, my friend, how are you? Can't complain. That's seven games on a Thursday. One more sleep away from the weekend. And I guess on a personal level, one more sleep away before I go get to watch Batman, which is what I'm personally very excited about to get to go see it in Ultra AVX this weekend with like 10 of us together, finally, with enough uh, allowances in theaters for us to be able to do so. So exciting, exciting times to be able to get there. But with just a slate in the way, hopefully with some extra cash in the pocket on the way there. Man, I can't tell you the last time I've been to a movie theater. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I can't say I'm crazy excited for it, but I get why. I mean, I get why. It's supposed to be great. But it, I, I, I'm just worried I'm going to be disappointed, man. I, I'm going to be honest here. I'm a little worried I'm going to be disappointed. I've heard nothing but good things. But it's been almost nothing uh, but disappointment when it came to every Batman movie since the, what's it, the Dark Knight? Uh, no, what, Batman Begins? Is that the one that had Heath Ledger in it? No, that was Dark Knight. Dark Knight, yeah, that one. <laughs> that, that was the absolute GOAT, uh, in my opinion. Every, every, if we're not talking Michael Keaton. Back in the day. Now that is probably the goat, but that one was absolutely fantastic. But you know, I'm gonna end up watching it, man. I'm gonna end up watching it. I uh, don't. Do I go in theaters the day it comes out? No, probably not. When I go to the movie theaters, man, I want it to be like three people there four weeks after the movie comes out and by myself enjoying watching the movie. But yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I I think one of the few things that irk me the most in the world is just people that either pull out their phone during the movie and i swear like in the corner of my eye i see that light makes me want to punch him or or those people that uh, add their own soundtrack by just constantly talking and it's like man like, shut up i'm trying to watch the movie some movies it's okay but by and large i know that's probably just a movie snob in me talking but i hate it i absolutely hate it so i get where you're coming from i agree man if it's a comedy and everyone's cracking up laughing that's a different story that you know that's where i allow it but i'm with you if we're watching a nice series action movie or, you know, maybe it's a thriller or a scare, scare movie, you can't help the scream. Maybe that's a different scenario. But like a movie like this, shut your damn mouth. Enjoy it. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. But we got we got a nice little slate. Before we jump into anything, guys, quick shout out to Thrive. Come prop up with us over there. I don't know why you're not doing it. If you, if you are doing it and you're listening to this, thank you. Because you're probably having fun and you're enjoying yourself. But uh, if you don't know what Thrive is, guys, it is the number one daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props with Thrive. You'll eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 of 20 available player prop bets, build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and under. Based on how likely it is to hit, you hit the most props, rack up the most points, and win your share of a prize pool. They have awarded over 50000 in guaranteed prizes weekly and over $6 million so far. So when you sign up, Use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S. Receive a 100% instant first deposit match on up to $100. You can find Thrive in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop today. My friend, Chicago Bulls traveling to Atlanta. They are taking on the Hawks in this one. Should be a pretty fantasy-friendly game. John Collins is doubtful. Okungu has been ruled out. Lou Williams, probable. Trey Young is questionable. So Hawks may be down some bodies. Trey Young suffered that ankle injury. Notably, he's uh, pretty pretty quick to return from ankle injuries, but one game might be too quick. 
for the Bulls, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, both ruled out. Patrick Williams, as we know, may be back for playoffs, but he is still out. We do not have any lines right now at the moment. I will pass it over to you. Talk about the Chicago Bulls and I guess what you think this game could be, possibly without Trey Young. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, usually you talk about a, a good concert. It always starts with it hitting a high right off the bat. And I know you're saying there aren't any game totals, but I guess on my side, I'm looking at the Bet365 one, and they're showing a, a 231.5 game total coming up in for this. And that's looking like it's the uh, second highest one coming into the night. And I expect it to be that. Now, by and large, I've been avoiding most of the Chicago Bulls, as you know. I think they're pretty fairly priced altogether. The only exception I've made to that has been Zach Levine pretty consistently. But he just, again, I feel he's too underpriced for the value that he provides. I pretty much have him and DeMar if they were to have the same kind of usage to do the same thing, except Levine can shoot more. But it's clear that DeMar has gone ahead and taken over the offense. So that makes Levine and his upside just a little bit less exciting. But given the fact that this game total is going to be as high as I potentially expect it to be. And, and if Trey is out, then you're going to get a lot of interest on the other side, as far as Atlanta's concerned from where their usage is coming. But I still like Ayo Dosunmu on this side as well. And 5,300, I just felt for a guy who's going to be consistently playing anywhere between 30 to 35 minutes on the team that absolutely needs every little bit of a you know, guard play that they can get given the injuries that they have. I continuously find myself uh, taking him and he paid off pretty well last game. I think this is going to be a good matchup against him as well. Uh, if Trey Young is there, then, hey, that's not much of a defender to be able to have on the other end. But even if it happens to be someone like uh, DeLon Wright or any of that, his minutes total should keep his floor pretty secure. And he's been pretty consistently able to get into the mid 30s. So at that price tag, sign me up. I think the only guy I'm really looking at over here would probably be Levine. I'm with you on AO. Listen, it's a point guard going against possibly Trey Young. Uh, but I do think I, I do think Trey Young might end up missing this one. The ankle injury looked a little rough, but we have to watch. Like I said, he's a quick healer when it comes to ankle injuries. This dude has returned in the past very quickly from him. Uh, but right now, Levine, his price tag is the one guy I have the most interest in. Uh, Going to keep it short and sweet because we have seven games, and I don't, you know, a lot of guys that are kind of worth paying up for on this slate too. I think most of my action is going to be on the other side of the ball with Trey Young possibly out, John Collins doubtful. There's going to be a lot, and I mean a lot of usage. And I don't want to rule out a Kungus, uh or short sell it. With him out, I think Capella at 5,900. Uh, knowing that Kungu has been eating into those minutes totals, it's going to be a big difference here. And we're talking about the game that we targeted the Kungu last, or I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Capella last, where we both, I believe, loved him, was against Chicago, where he played 29 minutes and put up 40 DK points. At 5,900, no Okungwu, sign me up. I love Capella at that price tag. In this matchup, no Okungwu is only a bonus. Now, I think Dang will probably get minutes, but not going to eat in like Okungwu has. And then, obviously, if Trey Young sits, we're looking at the long right at 3,100. We're probably both eating that chalk right there, no doubt. I'm sure you're going to get to that in a moment. But it also opens up to extra shot attempts. Neither one of these guys' shot attempts are necessarily going to be increased. Well, the long rights will because of the minutes, but... The extra usage will definitely trickle over to both Bogdanovich and Werder. So I don't mind looking at either one of those guys out there. I'm going to have a bunch of Atlanta exposure here uh, all around the board. I'll probably end up falling on two of them. I think most people have right 3,100. If he was at four, four, five, I could see ignoring him and maybe just playing Werder at a similar price tag and then pairing him with some Capella. But I think two Hawks makes a lot of sense. You could go three. 
Uh, will I end up going through three? Possibly in some lineups, but if that's the case, I'm going to want to run it back with somebody from Chicago, most certainly. But you could play two Hawks and not have anybody on Chicago and still feel comfortable in this series or this matchup here. So uh, I will pass it over to you. That is my take on the Hawks. Now, what are you thinking? Yeah, I agree completely. I think it's one of those where it's really how much appetite you have to be able to stack on this lineup because pretty much anywhere between four to five guys that I'm looking on here should all be an absolute lock for five X. Given the fact that Trey young is out, I'm right there with you on Capella. I believe at 5,900, he's just an absolute monster upside pick that having that bonus of a Kongu out helps in no small form. I do think uh, Bogdanovich is probably going to be the one I really end up targeting. If Trey does end up going out, it's most likely him. That's going to be somewhere near that 20 shots a game, uh, which really is him being the primary offensive ball handler, as well as the primary offensive shooter. So for him at 6,000, I think that would be the number one pick for me as far as Atlanta's concerned. But then uh, Capella's not too far behind. And if I'm looking elsewhere, even though DeLon Wright is absolutely chalked, don't get me wrong, I think there's other potential upsides that I'd be looking at that I may actually try to make a little swerve and go with a Kevin Herter instead, who, again, is just a better shot maker. Uh, even when a game that he didn't necessarily shoot all that well, like in that Boston one, he was still able to put up 27 DK points on the fact that he's been getting quite a few you know, decent number of stocks. I mean, I don't expect two blocks a game coming out of him, but he's been getting anywhere between one to two steals pretty consistently. Uh, for four out of the last six games, he's gotten at least one, three of them being two steals or more. So definitely more coming in his stat line that makes it interesting. But as far as the main guys are concerned, it's all about how many you want to play because I think they're all good. Yeah, and, and Huerta, uh, he handles the ball a lot, especially if Trey Young's out. So don't be surprised if he ends up playing pseudo backup point guard, uh, even if the lawn starts. So there's a little added bonus there. But we'll move on to the next game. Memphis Grizzlies traveling to Boston. They're taking on the Celtics here. Uh, to the injury report, the Celtics, Jalen Brown has been rolled out. Pretty much the only noteworthy news for the Celtics. And then for the Grizzlies, Dylan Brooks remains out. John Conchar is questionable, sprained his ankle in that last one as well. I'm getting no game lines and no totals on my site, so I'll let you handle that when I pass it over to you. Talk about the Memphis Grizzlies and... I mean, John Morant, career <laughs> high, set the new Grizzlies record after he just set the Grizzlies record. Talk about them. There you go. Jaw just continues to be doing jaw things and reaching new levels. Wade said that he's going to be in the top 75 all time. That's quite the uh, quite the praise to give on him, but clearly he's showing he is the real guy. As far as game totals are concerned, on my side, I am seeing a, a 224 and a half game total. So, again, not a snail's pace by any means. And, in fact, <clears throat> the slate as a whole is a pretty high paced one altogether. So, you know, you'd really be looking for that six X opportunity that you can go ahead and get. And I mean, look, John ja Morant, we're going to talk about a number of guys that we could potentially pay up for. Jaw is absolutely near the top of the list there for me. I mean, 58 field goal attempts in the last two games. That's just absolutely insane. And if he's on this kind of a scoring binge, you can expect that he is going to be looking for his shot to keep going. And especially against the Boston team, that's always, it's always pesky defensively. It's hard to be able to get, you know, an offense flowing in which you're getting lots of open shots, it's going to require ISO play to be able to get going. And John Morant has shown that he is just reaching new levels as far as that's concerned. So at 10-2, he is absolutely in play for me as far as stud play is concerned. And then again, we look at the amount of ancillary guys that are here that have the upside to do just much better than they have been doing. Is Jaron Jackson going to not be getting two straight games, five fouls? That has limited the fact that he can't get anything else going. All he needs to do, as we've known, is to avoid foul trouble. And he's just 
gets back into those habits and it annoys the hell out of me. But at 6,200, that just gives you the kind of upside that you can take in a GPP kind of slate where you're looking for that 6X to 7X. And you know Jaron Jackson can absolutely bust out. Uh, the other side, given the fact that the Boston Celtics do have size to throw out, I do like Steven Adams in this matchup. He's coming off three absolutely great games. His rebounding totals have just been otherworldly for the last in that time. And he's also consistently getting those four to five dimes as well. So there's just a lot to like as far as his stat line's concerned, even if he's not shooting the ball. So those are kind of my main guys over there. And I'll never fault you for looking at Desmond Bain as well, just plain and simple because of his price tag. But I do think there's other options in that price today. Speaking of Bogdanovich in the previous game, which is where I'd probably be looking. Yeah, I mean, I think with this Grizzlies team, I'm probably zagging on this one, man. I mean, I was you, you, you were on the show with me last time. I liked Morant. I played a bunch of Morant um, with that $5,200, uh, with that 52 actual point game. I had him. Uh, you know me, though. I'm willing to take a Morant play off the chin, and I think this would be one of those where I just don't want to challenge the Boston Celtics. They usually set it perfectly. Their defense has been otherworldly this season. Yes, Jalen Brown being out is going to hurt, but Marcus Smart is still there. I'm not saying Marcus Smart will shut him down. Uh, that is not the case. But the price tag has gone up about $500 since we last played him. And I think with other options on this slate, I don't think I'm actually going to end up falling on too much of any Grizzlies in this one. I will never fault you at Desmond Bain, especially because the price tag has decreased uh, down to 5700 now. But again, I, it's almost the same scenario with the, the previous game. Most of my options are going to be on the other side of the ball. And with Jalen Brown being out, Tatum, 10K, sign me up. I'm good with that. We know the, the usage is going to be sky high for them. They're going to need him in this matchup. It should be a very competitive and close game, even with Brown being out. And then I want to look at Derek White. Obviously, he's going to step up. He played a majority of the minutes once we saw Jalen Brown go out. End up finishing the game with 27 and a half minutes. And, you know, 6,300 isn't a delectable price tag. I think that's right around where he should be, even with Jalen Brown being out. But with that being said, this if you're going to play him, it's, it's with Brown out. Bottom line. So those are the two main guys I'm looking at on the Celtics team. Um, I think you could get away with Smart, but I think I prefer Derek White's game a little bit more than Marcus Smart's. Just overall better field goal shooter, a little bit more uh, ability when it comes to just – they're both great when it comes to just picking up steals and stuff like that. Uh, White is actually one of the best shot blocking guards in the league, so just a little added bonus there. I know you said you like Steven Adams. I'm going to play Capella over him so at a very similar price tag. I guess it's the same thing you said with you know Desmond Bain and Bogdanovich. That's how I feel about Stephen Adams and Capella. So like I said, I'll, I'll end it there. I'll, I'll pass it over to you with the Celtics. Really just could be Tatum and Derek White for me, though. Yeah, fair enough. And Derek White seems like the smarter pick to, to make, but I'm going to do the dumb thing and say that Smart is probably the one who's going to be the one that you may want to look into for that just because – Derek White is, in my mind, a smart basketball player. He's not the guy who's going to be looking to chuck up the kind of shots and look for that kind of usage in which smart has absolutely no conscience. If he gets the ball and he has an opportunity to be able to get a shot up for himself, he'll do that. And with 14 field goal attempts in the last game, 13 prior to that, and 13 of those altogether coming from the three-point line for a guy who, frankly, probably shouldn't be shooting as many threes, but he just does because that's that's Marcus Smart. But from a DraftKings standpoint, he's always been a guy that I've relied on pretty consistently. But again, that price tag is where we're getting, where we're getting at. So in that 6,000 range, the Bogdanovich pick just continues to come up. I spoke about Dosunmu earlier as well in that 5,000 range. I think both those guys are going to be plays that I personally like more given the matchup and given how everything else is going. And as far as Tatum goes, I said you hit the nail on the head. He's going to be having all that usage consistently. I just, 
I mean, I may have to actually pull up the stats of the games he's played without Jalen Brown. I just, in my mind, I feel like I've taken him a number of times doing that, and he's absolutely like flattered to deceive in that time. Just because the way he also ends up playing, it helps him to have less of that pressure on him, which Jalen Brown allows. In this case, he's going to be completely and utterly targeted on from the Memphis side, who themselves are going back to that grit and grind style. So I'm actually going to say I'm avoiding Tatum. I like Morant better uh, out of the two in the matchup. But again, I guess we'll find out when the match actually happens. I think we just got our friendly wager, my friend. There you go. I will I will take Tatum over Morant. And the uh, loser gets called out on Twitter like we always do. <laughs> I like <laughs> so, it. There we go. All right, we'll move on to the next game. Miami traveling to Brooklyn. Uh, Miami on the second half of the back-to-back, so there is not an injury report for them. But as we know, Kyle Lowry dealing with personal reasons. Good chance he ends up sitting this one out. For Brooklyn, Andre Drummond is probable. Joe Harris out. Kyrie Irving out, Ben Simmons out, and then we, as we heard, or maybe you haven't heard, uh, Kevin Durant is expected to make his return. So I will pass it over to you. Talk about the Heat. Yeah, I mean, I am super excited to get to see Kevin Durant back and how much he's going to be looking to get some revenge after the whole James Harden situation. We'll see how that goes and how he looks first game back. But as far as Miami's concerned, it's really the usual suspects. You know exactly where the usage is going to go with Kyle Lowry being out. And Outside of you know the main guys in which Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero are absolutely going to be in play, both of them are just rock-solid price tags. Jimmy Butler, sub-9K, with uh, the situation of being able to get the kind of usage that you would uh, you would expect him to get. He's had three games in which he hasn't exactly hit that value, which has brought his price a little bit down. But this Miami-Brooklyn game is going to be one of the more high-octane ones as well. I expect it to be, uh, from a game total perspective, it's 220, 221.5 is what I'm seeing here. Again, you've got a lot of opportunity for these guys to be able to go out there and get some burn. I do think Gabe Vincent, even at 4,500, slight price tag increase, continues to be a solid play night in, night out until Kyle Lowry returns. 29 DK points in the last one, 22 the one before that. So he just gives you that solid floor in which you're really not too, too worried about him killing you on a night. But if he gets hot, he can absolutely get to uh, that 30-ish mark. But really, Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero are the, uh, the main guys as always whenever Kyle's out. I'm really right there with you. I think I'll probably end up unless Butler. He's, he had a terrible shooting night tonight. I'm not holding that against him. I'm not holding these box scores against him or anything like that. He's certainly in play. But again, it's just going to come down to other plays on the slate. And I think most of my exposure from this side of the ball is mostly, and, and this is a game in general, I'll get to the Nets in a second, is going to be with just Gabe Vincent and Tyler Hero. Both those guys just absorbing a ton of usage. Obviously, Vincent's getting the minutes with him as well with Kyle Lowry out. And he's he's never faltered. I mean, this guy routinely puts up right around that 28 to 30 point DK, uh, DK point mark every time that he's getting the minutes when Kyle Lowry's out. And this price tag, even though it's elevated a little bit, still not high enough where it needs to be. We know Brooklyn's defense isn't scaring anybody off at this point. So I am good there. And then for Brooklyn, with Kevin Durant back, takes away a lot of the lust. I mean, no more James Johnson value plays. No more, you know, expecting, you know, guys like Seth Curry to just to shoulder all the usage and his price tag. We've already talked about how many guards uh, around that 6K range where I don't see myself going to him, not playing Andre Drummond at 6,800 going against Bam Adebayo. Uh, Kevin Durant, first game back, jitters. So I don't see myself necessarily playing anybody on the Brooklyn side of the ball. It's really just going to be those two guys over there in Miami for me. Yeah, I agree completely. I don't think I need to add any more to that. Just want to see how many minutes Durant gets going back so I can decide whether to take him the next time around. But unlike the other games, yeah, all the action is on the first team this time around. All right, we'll go to the next game then. We have the Detroit Pistons traveling to Toronto. I'm guessing you're going to be at this game. 
have fun uh, taking on the Raptors. Marvin Bagley has been he's doubtful, not ruled out yet. Diallo is probable. Saban Lee is in the G League. And then for the Raptors, OG and Van Vliet, both questionable. So two big names that we need to keep an eye on. Normally, I, they, uh, it looks like if we do our normal order, I'm talking about the Raptors here. Uh, but I don't feel like that's right, man. So why don't I start with the Pistons? You talk about your Raptors. I mean, that's just what's fair, right? I mean, I, I can't take your team from you. It doesn't make any sense there, man. You're an in-house Raptors expert here. So uh, I'll, I'll start here with the Pistons. I'll let you talk about the Raptors. Uh, looking at this team, Cade Cunningham, 7,400. He's coming off of an absolutely fantastic game. Bottom line, I mean, he looked great. Yeah, I think he had, at the end of the first quarter, uh, he had 8-4, and 8-5, and five, something like that. This dude can stuff the stat sheet. At 7,400, it's fair. I don't mind looking that way. Uh, Grant finally starting to put the, put it together again over the past few games. Back-to-back at least 26-point games. He scored at least 24 and 3 out of the last five. 6,500 is too cheap. I prefer Grant over Cunningham. Uh, he's starting to get his shooting stroke back and his touch back. So probably the only two guys I'm really interested in. Sadiq Bey, only $100 less than Grant. It's going to really take him out of the player pool for me. And I know Kelly Olenek is finally starting to kind of get a little bit of a rhythm together, almost like Grant. But outside of that 140-point game, nothing else has really excited me. He's still going to be in that backup and limited role. So for me, it's probably just going to be Grant. Yeah, fair enough. And you know, I almost feel entitled to say that we one should take Kelly Olenek again because I called him for that Charlotte game. But hey, no one expected 40. But that was awesome to be able to do. But as you said, the Detroit Pistons are pretty well, I would say pretty well fairly priced all the way through. Uh, there's not you know, too too many guys that I'm super interested in. Kate is always in play for me just because I think he's a guy who should be at 8,000 consistently, and his recent game logs show that. So he's going to be in the player pool for me, not as exciting as on the Toronto Raptors side where I am just absolutely, if we're talking about anyone who's not uh, Bogdanovich that I'm taking, it's Scotty Barnes, who has just continued to show that uh, this rookie of the year race is not over just yet. He's uh, just showing how his offensive game continues to evolve and especially in the post the way that he's making those passes out of the post attacking the rim to be able to get more of those rebounds as well it's just been really exciting to watch and it's resulted in super super efficient games i mean 85 percent from the field the game against brooklyn and then at home a 61 percent again and it's all it's all very sustainable it's not high volume play or any of that so i'm excited at 6400 he's definitely a big guy here for me and the Van Vliet thing, I know he's listed as questionable, but I'm going to go ahead and say that this was always a week with all of the games that were swapped around and missed. We were going to have five games this week that Van Vliet was going to sit, if not the majority of the week, at least three out of these five games. And I don't expect him to be coming back for this one either. If there's a game that the Raptors could definitely feel like they're going to win without having uh, having a Fred Van Vliet there, that would be this one, And which is why Malachi Flynn continues to be just an absolute chalk pick for me at any time. I'm glad that he's finally getting his rhythm together. You know, talked about guys that needed to get their offense going, and he's shown lots of flashes of that last season, but he really struggled with his shot and his confidence early in the year. But I've been taking him for two games straight. He's been absolutely killing it for me in those games here, and that price tag is just way too cheap. You know, you're talking about Gabe Vincent being able to do things outside of Kyle Lowry. Malachi Flynn is doing all of that with Fred Van Vliet out and more. So those are the two major guys, and... I'm not going to call it a Gary Trent night, but he finally got himself back on uh, back on track with a shot as well. Not necessarily shooting all that well, but just in general, getting his overall stat line up to get him that 40 DK point night. So again, all of them are in play. I'm avoiding Siakam for that 9,200 price tag when I have these other options there. And that's going to be kind of the major area of exposure for me. 
Very, very close, I think, to being on the same page. I'm with you on the majority of that. Obviously not Gary Trent. You know that. You know, come on, man. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not playing him. Uh, I think Scotty Barnes, excellent play with how well he's been playing. The rebounds are up. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that was matchup-based. I know, obviously, he's going to get increased usage uh, with no Fred Van Vliet. Uh, let's just go out and say this. If Fred Van Vliet plays, everything changes. Malachi Flynn's automatically pretty much a chalk play if he sits. Um, Scotty Barnes, fantastic play if he sits. If he plays, I'm probably not going to be as interested in him at that $6,400 price tag. But I do like Siakam at $9,200 for the sole reason. I'm going to have money to spend. We've already talked about three great value plays at guard. If Trey Young sits, DeLon Wright. If Kyle Lowry sits, Gabe Vincent. If we see Van Vliet sit, we're going to be looking at Malachi Flynn. So it's going to leave me some money to spend up at that forward position. And I think there's pretty much all the good spend-ups and the three favorite forwards I like on the slate are all expensive. So I am going to keep Siakam in my player pool for that sole reason. I'm going to have the money to spend. He's averaging 50 DK points against Detroit in two matchups already this season. So it's going to be Siakam. It's going to be Barnes. And it's also going to be Flynn for me as guys I'm interested in. Uh, on to the next game. Three games left. Golden State Warriors traveling to Dallas, taking on my maps. Say, look at it. it all bounces out, man. Now I get to talk about the Mavericks. But there you go. Uh, Trey Burke is questionable. Uh, Marquise, Chris, Tim Hardaway Jr., Theo Pinson all ruled out. Frank Nitalina is questionable as well. And then for the Warriors, Draymond he progressed the three-on-three activity, but he is out. Iguodala is out. Moses Moody is probable. Clay Thompson, Damian Lee, both questionable. Clay Thompson dealing with that illness has missed the past two games. James Wiseman getting close, but still not there. I'll pass it over to you. Talk about the Warriors. Yeah, fair enough. And I think you'll probably find that the Dallas are now more of your Mavs now that they're eight and two in their last 10 games and looking rejuvenated. So that's going to be them. exciting. Yeah, man. <laughs> but as far as the Warriors themselves are concerned, look, any anytime Steph Curry's playing, it just kind of makes it so that like these other guys are not nearly as exciting for me. And just plain and simple, Kuminga has just continued to be the guy that I have looked into as that kind of pivot play away from that. Clay Thompson continues to be uh, listed as questionable. I don't know whether he's actually going to play, even though they're saying that he expects to. We'll see what, what happens when he actually gets there. But if that is the case, he's always in play, just for the fact that he'll play 30 minutes and is able to get hot at any point, especially against the Mavericks team that isn't the greatest as far as uh, perimeter defense is concerned, unless they want to just shove Finney Smith on him the whole game. But I don't know what they'll do if uh, if Curry is let to be uh, is let loose in that sense. So it's going to be interesting to see how they actually go about dealing with that defense. But yeah, by and large, honestly, outside of outside of Kuminga, who I believe can you know get himself back on track as far as his DK points are concerned. I'm just by and large avoiding most of these warriors. Maybe I might get a little frisky and play Kevon Looney because um, uh, of all the guards, like you're saying there's cheaper guards. As much as I'm playing Malachi Flynn, I've talked about how much I want to take Morant and uh, we have Bogdanovich playing the forwards, all of that. So I'll have a little bit of money to be able to save on my centers this time. And I may be looking at Looney to be able to fill that out for me. Yeah, don't blame me. I mean, I'm not really interested in anybody here. I mean, anytime Dallas, they, they tend to slow down ever so slightly. Uh, we never know Luka is necessarily pushing pace. He's not that type of guard. Um, if Clay Thompson sits, you could probably look at, you know, Gary Payton drawing another start at 4,100. But again, I prefer all those other guards that we talked about over him. He'd probably be the main guy I'm looking at. Don't mind Kaminga at 4,200 just because, again, uh, he, he did most of his damage later in the game. And even then, it wasn't a fantastic game for him. But we know he has the upside to easily give us back in days 25. But I'm spending so much down on, on guards, I think, on this slate where I don't need to necessarily you know, take dart throws at Kaminga on this slate. Um, 
on the Dallas side of the ball. I'm not playing Luka at 12-2. Wouldn't blame me if you wanted to. It's Luka Doncic, don't get me wrong. Just don't love this matchup for him necessarily. He's historically not have done not done fantastic against Golden State. Granted, there's no Draymond and all that other good stuff. So maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Other options I like to spend up on, though, already that I will get to later on in this slate. And then plus Siakam. Brunson coming off a good game, 6,600. Other options I like around that price range. And then I, I don't think I've yet to play Spencer Dinwiddie since he's been to Mav. And I don't think I plan on doing it in this game despite two back-to-back solid performances. So I'll probably pass on this game as a whole. Yeah, and that's completely fair. I think Dinwiddie is just one of those where I don't trust him as far as his minutes total is concerned to be able to continue and put up the production he has. I mean, he's he's played 24 minutes in the last game. Yeah, he played 31 against the Warriors, but he's just always been kind of that guy who gets into that mid-20 range pretty consistently unless someone happens to be down on the other end when obviously Doncic is completely healthy here. So I'm absolutely avoiding pretty much all these uh, all these maps as well with just a, a small shout out that I do believe Maxi Kleva is a guy who can do well for that price tag. And he's kind of in that same range as Kevon Looney and uh, some of the other uh, forwards that we've spoken about at slightly cheaper prices. So he's kind of in play for me, but I'd probably end up playing Herder instead of him as well for a forward. All right, we'll move on. San Antonio Spurs defending their home court against Sacramento. That came out weird. I never say it like that. Sacramento <laughs> traveling, <laughs> traveling to San Antonio, taking on the Spurs. Uh, Sacramento on the second half of the back-to-back. We weren't looking too hot tonight. Uh, and then for the Spurs, Romeo Langford, Doug McDermott, both questionable. I will pass it over to you. Talk about Dem Kangs. Yeah, and with uh, the highest game total of the night sitting at 238, there is absolutely a lot of interest over here. At the moment, the Spurs are favored to win by six, so perhaps they can go ahead and defend their home court here. But look, the story is the same thing with the Sacramento Kings. Ever since we've gone ahead and seen the trade, we've seen a pretty consistent kind of starting five with them. Their minutes total has been pretty much sitting in that same uh, in that same range with the only kind of real difference coming between Davion Mitchell, Jeremy Lamb, and Dante DiVincenzo, who happens to play slightly more minutes on that night. So by and large, I am avoiding all of those three, and I'll never fault you for taking either Fox or Sabonis. I do think Fox is probably in a pretty decent matchup over here to be able to go ahead and have a great match up against the Spurs. Had a great, great game the first time around with them, dropped 55 DK points in that one as well. And I just think him and DeJounte is just an absolutely fantastic matchup to be able to watch both in real life and for the fact that he is sub 9K. I think there's a lot of upside as far as his his uh, DK points is concerned as well. Sabonis, so again, at, at sub 10K, he's been a guy who just hasn't had a bad game since he's uh, since he's been a king. Consistently over 40, 44 in each of those games. Two of them has been over 50 with a 60-point game in there as well. So, you know, I'll never fault you for being able to take him, considering the fact that he'll have Jakob Pertl on the other end to go ahead and contend with. That probably fires him up to be a little bit more. Maybe he'll uh, try to do his own poster brand style to see if he can get a little bit of uh, his own going. But, yeah, in general, I, those are the two major guys that I'm looking at. Harrison Barnes is very much a solid at his price tag. It doesn't give you that same kind of upside, but you can usually count on him to get 5x for that. But beyond that, I'm good to go as far as the Kings are concerned. It is just Sabonis for me at 9,700. I love him in this matchup. Uh, absolutely love him in the matchup. Again, I have money to spend up on other spots other than the guard. If I spend up on a guard, it's going to be on the other side of the ball. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. So I don't see myself playing Fox. As we know, we're staying away from these wings as a whole. Uh, 
So I think by and large, I think Sabonis is always in a good spot. Even they got blown out by 30 points tonight. Uh, even in the game that they got blown out, like you said, the dude's been consistent no matter what. Uh, he's going to play minutes and he's going to do well. So he played 33 minutes tonight and ended up putting up 15, 14, and 7 in an absolute blowout. Didn't even shoot well. Uh, 6 to 16. I, I, I can't ignore it. I think that Sabonis is just one of the more consistent plays under 10K that you can get. So I am good there. On the other side of the ball, DeJounte, 10 6. I would rather play him than Morant straight up. Um, I, like I said, I don't love Morant in that matchup. Very similar price tag. So. Don't think you need to play DeJounte. I think he'll actually be very contrarian on this slate with Morant coming off a 52-point game. Also looking at all that guard value there. So tournaments, I think Murray is a very, very solid play. Probably the one guy that I have the most interest in. But obviously, if McDermott sits, if we see um, Langford doesn't really affect the rotation too much, but McDermott does, where we should see some couple extra minutes go to guys like Vassal and Lonnie Walker. So I, I don't mind looking at Vassal. I always talk about it. Any type of these wing-type shooting guard guys going against the Kings tend to have pretty solid games. So those would probably be the two guys I'd look at outside of Murray. But I wouldn't fault you if you wanted to ignore them as a whole on this side of the ball. Yeah, fair enough. And you know, they're coming off four ga- four days as far as rest is concerned. So you know they'll be raring to go as far as that's concerned. So I definitely do see this overhitting as far as the uh, as far as the game total is concerned. It's just going to be absolutely zero defense from each side and then just running at each other. So DeJounte Murray is definitely in play at 10-6. Can't fault you. As you said, it kind of depends on what your uh, game script is looking like and what your lineup construction is looking like. I do like Morant more than Murray, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with going and taking him here. But as I've said in in the other matchups as well, for the Spurs in general, that 5,000 range has been where I've found pretty much most of my usage between Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson. Both of those guys are ones that I've always liked playing. Uh, you know, we spoke about Sabonis being consistent for his price. Keldon Johnson is the other guy who just continues to be absolutely consistent for his price as well, while giving you that upside to be able to drop, you know, a high 30 or a mid 40 game as well. So if you're looking for some exposure, because the game is going to have that kind of a total and you're not spending up on DeJounte Murray, I'm going to find myself in quite a few of my lineups having a little bit of Keldon and a little bit of Devin Vassell to kind of make that up for me. Yeah, I never play Keldon. I don't fault people for doing it. He's just one of those guys I just never find myself landing on all too much. Uh, but you said it perfectly. Consistent, right in that bid tier. So depends on your construction. I don't mind falling on him. Uh, final game of the night, L.A. Lakers traveling to L.A., staying home, uh, taking on the Clippers. For the wonderful injury report, the Clippers have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Norman Powell all rolled out. And then the Lakers, Avery Bradley and LeBron, both questionable. We know LeBron is playing. He's questionable every night. Uh, Davis has been rolled out. Taylor Horton Tucker is probable. Kendrick Nunn will never play again, as far as I'm concerned or no. I will pass it over to you. Talk about the Lakers. And the Lakers just keep uh, finding themselves in a deeper and deeper hole. It was 10 of their last 13 games now they've gone ahead and lost. And really at this point, what can LeBron do to try and keep these guys afloat? And really what that's come at is him shooting more and him trying to just be more attacking. And that's come at the cost of his assists. Not only is his uh, six assists a game somewhere near the bottom as far as his career assists are concerned, but in general, they seem to be trending the wrong way. So, you know, he's never been a prolific scorer like he's not a guy who's going to give you 40 a night on any sort of like consistent basis he's always in that 27 so when he's not getting these ancillary stats to the level that you usually expect from a LeBron he kind of is a guy that I have been fading most nights one the fact that the Lakers are just 
trash and they have absolutely no support to actually be able to hit some of those shots that he's passing over to them. And the fact that Westbrook, you never know his minutes, the, what his minutes total is looking like on any given night at 8,200 on paper is a pretty decent price tag for him to be able to do it. But the reality is he hasn't had a 40 DK point game since the start of February. So it just continues to be a situation I avoid altogether. Really the only guy I've ever kind of taken dart throws at as far as the Lakers are concerned has been Malik Monk. And every once in a while he'll hit it as he did for me in that Dallas game. But you know that he's going to be absolutely inconsistent on that. The real, and on the other hand, Dwight Howard came off the bench last game, only played four minutes. I'm, I'm actually interested to see whether they decide to start him up against Zubat. So I'll probably have you know, somewhere in, in that utility spot that I could go ahead and swap out and be able to get Dwight Howard in if he is going to be starting in this matchup. Uh, you know, that Kevon Looney I was speaking about earlier, if that's the guy that happens to fit my uh, utility slot at the end over there, then it might be him that I end up swapping out to get Dwight Howard in if he is in fact starting. But beyond that, I'm good with these Lakers. Well said, my friend. I'm kind of right there with you on everything you said. If Howard starts, I will start him. Um, if he comes off the bench, I will avoid him. I don't mind LeBron one bit. I, I get it. You, you said it perfectly. I, I couldn't echo what you said anymore. The assists have been down. But something, something I'm, I'm not necessarily worried about LeBron. Again, super consistent. We know we're getting at least 40 to 45 DK points at the bare minimum. That's not going to get it done at 11K. But this also, you know, LeBron-fueled game could be easily 55 to 60. I prefer him over a couple of these other guys that we spoke about. Uh, as as far as spend ups are concerned, you know, I, I still find myself looking at Siakam and looking at Sabonis awfully a lot, but I wouldn't fault you one bit if you want to go LeBron. I will have shares of them. Let's say if I'm going with like a Malachi and Scotty Barnes, then I'll probably end up with LeBron and Sabonis or something along those lineups as my main construction spend up build kind of thing. It, it all depends on your build. I don't want to play three Toronto Raptors. I know you do, uh, but yours is going to be Gary. Yours is going to be Trent. I already know that. So, um, but. That's just kind of the way my constructions are building. If I'm building multiple lineups, I'll probably end up having LeBron. On the Clippers side of the ball, I don't see myself playing absolutely anybody. I think that they're all priced appropriately. There's not a lot of meat left on the bone for pretty much any of these guys. I've been playing a decent amount of Robert Covington lately, and I kind of do like this matchup. Uh, he actually tends to thrive against L.A. and going against you know LeBron. And at least 25 DK points pretty much over the past three games. At 4,200, he's probably the one guy keeping my player pool. Yeah, absolutely. And Covington, I mean, my love for Covington is already well known in here and I still can't see why they don't play him more. But I believe in this matchup, they're going to be forced to. They're going to need that uh, defensive presence on one end to be able to try and contend with uh, the LeBron James force on the other hand, because really there's no other offense coming and he is by far their best perimeter defender on the team at this moment. So definitely in play for me. Uh, and it really, again, he, he all these guys in that 4,000 range for me are going to be sitting in that utility spot. I've already like got this game scripted out. And if Dwight Howard's not starting, I'll have to decide between a Covington, a Looney, or any of those uh, cheaper options to be able to go ahead and uh, make up that last spot in the lineup. That's pretty much how it's gone. And you know, as much as I, I like Reggie Jackson and as much as he's done well against the, uh, against the LA Lakers at 7,900, he's now gotten out of my range, get back into the 6,000s and I'll be taking him night in and night out again. But until then, sayonara to him and uh, Robert Covington's the only one of interest. All right, my friend. Player tier segment, give me your top play. Absolutely. And I think at this point, I mean, we've got a wager going on it. We've got a friendly bet. We've got three guys in that price range that I am saying John Morant is going to outperform. So I better stick with it. And he is going to be my top tier guy. As I said, it's just... One of those things where, apart from the fact that he is playing all that well, he hasn't 
had a game against Boston as of yet, but he has played well against them in the past. Again, given the way the matchup is set up, I do believe Morant is going to have incredibly high usage, going to be needed to play more in the isolation. It's a great spot for him to be able to replicate some of the recent performances that he's done, that at a 10-2 price tag, he is just where I want him. I will go with Demonis Sabonis at 97. I was thinking about just not taking the cop out, going to Tatum since we had a friendly wager bet. But I do see myself having more Sabonis uh, as far as ownership is concerned. So I will stick with my guns and go with Mr. Sabonis. And then give me your mid-tier play. Boy, are there a lot of options. Oh, man. That's just that I don't think you can go wrong with a number of these guys in the 6,000 range. But with the caveat that Trey Young does end up sitting, I'm going to stick with my uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich pick. I think at 6,000, he just continues to be that guy who is going to become just an absolute chalk play if uh, Trey does end up sitting, in my opinion. And the fact that he does it at shooting guard slash small forward gives you so much versatility to be able to take some of these cheap guards that we've spoken about. So absolutely, Bogdan Bogdanovich, his position eligibility, his price tag, sign me up. I will stick with that same team and go with Click Capella at 5,900. Two center plays right there for you guys. Depending on how you're building, you can look at either one of those guys, and I feel confident in both of them. And then your value play, which guard are you choosing? <laughs> and I think at this point, it's just, it just has to be Malachi Flynn. Plain and simple, 4,200. He is going to be an absolute monster for the rest of this week. Like, this is me calling it out. I expect to be at the game and expect to not see Fred Van Vee playing. We'll definitely find out for sure. And the fact that it's a 730 game means that you at least get a, a pretty early spot to be able to find that out. Uh, so Malachi may be a guy you want to keep in your utility spot as well, just in case to be able to make that swap if need be to one of those uh, options that we spoke about later on in the slate. But at 4,200, I definitely expect to see a lot of him in my lineups with Fred likely out. Can't fault you there. And what you could also do is you could play him at your guard position. And then it starts at the same game as the Miami game. So you could swap, you could swap to a Gabe Vincent if you need to uh, at a similar price tag. You know, save yourself that extra couple hundred bucks just in case you need to make that swap. So I don't mind looking at either one of those guys. Obviously, Malachi is going to be a fantastic play if we see that Fred Bleed sits. I'll go DeLon Wright. Obviously, Chalk, if we see that, you know, Trey Young's ruled out. If not, I would have went with Gabe Vincent. Uh, I already talked about those guards at nausea. So we'll leave it there. And then for your Thrive pick of the night, who are you looking at? Yeah, and just as we said, a lot of uh, these mid-tier options, there's a number of these Thrive Fantasy ones that, even though they aren't all that juicy, there's ones that I feel pretty confident about. But just to keep things a little bit interesting, I'm going to go ahead and say that Keldon Johnson, that eight and a half rebounds and assists combined, in that matchup we spoke about, which has the highest game total of the night at a 105 over, a guy who has been super consistent all the way around, has been pretty much getting five to six boards night in, night out. I don't see how he doesn't end up getting slightly above that, even within rebounds or assists, to be able to hit that 105. I don't love this Thrive Night, just in all honesty. Being, uh, you know, I don't love the lines that they've given out and then the points associated with them necessarily. Uh, but I'll go Kevin Durant and take the under for only 95, 45 and a half points, rebounds, assists. Just don't know what they expect in his first game back. Listen, it's Kevin Durant. I, I have a decent feeling he's going to play very close to a full workload. I don't think they'd bring him back if he wasn't necessarily ready to play a full workload. So, uh, But I would still take the under just because it's a tough matchup based on that as well. So give me the under there. And that is it. That brings us home, my friend. That is all we have. So as always... 
Give us a follow on Twitter. At Mike Apatria. M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Harris. H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. Thumbs up. Five, uh, five star. Subscribe wherever you listen. We do appreciate it, guys. Get us some more. Give, give us a little couple comments in there. Whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple. Not on iTunes. Apple. Uh, we do appreciate it, guys. We will be back tomorrow. It'll be Santino. It'll be Mr. Menkoff. Harris, anything else you want to leave us with? I was going to say, I love them comments. Throw it out. Tell me how excited you are for the upcoming Batman movie, and also tell me how bad my take is when I tell you that I think The Dark Knight, as great a movie as it was, was the weakest of that trilogy when it comes to being an actual Batman movie. The Dark Knight Rises is still my favorite, and then it's Batman Begins. Yeah, please let them know about that terrible take you just had. <laughs> Uh, let them know as soon as possible, please. I mean, the performance. Stop it. All right, we're out of here.